a great and wonderful joy to be with you this morning. As unworthy and unlearned as I am in many, many aspects, I, I still find it a great joy to do this, for, to, to be able to proclaim the gospel, to be able to share this with the Lord's people. Um, it's the greatest message, the greatest, the greatest message ever told the world has ever known. Amen. I thank Brother John Mark for his prayers. I, I, I'm very thankful for him and for the work that the Lord is doing in his life and that he would continue to good work. And I, like I said, uh, just ask for continuance in your prayers this morning. Um, the thought that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks now um, is one that I think is, is, is pertinent, is something that we need to hear again and again, something that um, a lot of us look as, you know, what, what you consider duty. You know, you have doctrine, you have grace, you have duty, uh, exhortation, that kind of things. But um, the Lord being my helper, I, I don't want to look at it as duty. I want to look at it as a promise, and I want to look at it as a blessing that we have here on this life, and that's the church, and the attendance of church, and the coming to worship together. In Psalm chapter 89, verse 15, it says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in thy right in thy light, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the days. In thy right and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. Like I said, I've been this subject has been on my mind a couple of weeks. I had went one Sunday afternoon and visited one of the members um, at Mount Gee where I'm a member of, and we were sitting there visiting and talking and talking about the church, talking about the scriptures and different things. And I'm not always guilty of that, but I'm, I'm thankful when I'm found guilty of, of talking of heavenly things, things above. Amen. And we were talking, and it just come up how, how beautiful, how simple the doctrine that we teach, the doctrine that we, I hope that we all believe, Amen. that grace is, is sufficient, that, that the Lord has done all the work for us to have an eternal life, that He loved us so much that he didn't leave anything to chance. Amen. And he says, why isn't the church just packed full? Why, you know, why isn't the, um, the, the benches just, just full and everybody just flocking to the primitive Baptist? I said, for one thing, I said, there's no pride in being a primitive Baptist. <laughs> and I say it this way, there's no pride in being a good primitive Baptist. We know that pride goes before destruction and our haughty spirit before fall. That when we look at the doctrines of true grace, there's nothing we can say as Paul said that is in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen. He, he was an apostle. He saw the Lord himself. The Lord spoke directly through him. He was divinely inspired to pen the words of God in this book. And he still said that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. When someone asks us, well, how are you getting to heaven? It's because the Lord died for us. Not because we said a prayer, not because we were baptized, not because of anything that we have done. Because if one iota, one jot, one tittle of the law was left to us to do, then we would fail it. One of God's children whom he loved 
would fail that, and he would not he will not allow one of his children to fall into everlasting punishment. But when you tell people that, when you tell them the doctrines of grace, that it's grace plus nothing, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, that we have a peace which passeth understanding, a peace of God knowing that our own salvation, that our friend's salvation, that our family and children's salvation is not up to us. It's not a burden that we could bear even if we wanted to. That when we tell them that all that was taken care of before the foundation of the world, that He's chosen us out of every kindred, tongue, nation, and tribe, that if we see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, if we see those things, that's evidence of God's work in their lives already. And they need not of eternal salvation. They, need, they have need of peace. Amen. They have need of understanding. They have need of light. But when you tell them that, they say, well, why do you go to church? If, 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 you, if you could stay out and go to all the tents of the wicked all your life, if you could just go and do as, the, as they say as you want to, I say as the flesh pleases. Yeah, right. Because if you've been born again of God, you have the Spirit of God with inside you and He only wants to do things according to the will of God. Amen. If there's something inside of you that doesn't want to do those things, that is not the Spirit of God within you. That's the Spirit of the flesh. That's the nature of the flesh that we Amen. inherited from our father Adam. So when they say, well, if I would just do that, I'd just do whatever I want. What they're saying, I'd just do whatever the flesh wants. I wouldn't fight that warfare. I wouldn't resist the devil. I wouldn't put on the armor. Why pick up the armor if the battle's already won? Why fight a fight that, that's already been accomplished, that was accomplished on the cross? It's a very important reason, a very pertinent reason. Why we come to church? It's not because to get our. It's not to save ourselves to heaven. It's not to deliver us from hell. It's not to make ourselves worthy, because we can never make ourselves worthy. It's not even to pay back God. We have nothing to pay. Anything that's good in ourselves is of God. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I like how Paul put it. He said, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He said, I fought the good fight, I kept the faith. Henceforth, not because of, not therefore, but henceforth. From this point on, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's not Paul's righteous crown. That's Christ's righteousness. Amen. It's a crown of Christ's righteousness. And I'll give you this as they say no extra charge. He bore a crown of thorns, which is a representation of sin, that we might he, he bore our crown. That we might bear his. Amen. That he bore a crown of sin. He put the he was he was made to be sin who knew no sin. That we were, if, if you allow me to put it this way, to be put on righteousness who knew no righteousness. But why 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 do we come to church? Why do we get up early in the morning we fight with kids I, I, I have kids but I used to be one and I knew how they fought with me <laughs> but why do we we put the extra effort we, we drive we suffer flat tires and 
you know, we get a little bit sleepy or we, 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 we do these, what, what really and truly are minor inconveniences, but why do we do these things? If you'll turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, I would like to go through this first chapter if time will allow. And I'll go ahead and give you the answer so you'll be looking for it. But it's not to save ourselves to heaven, but it's for fellowship. And it's not just fellowship with one another. But we'll, we'll get to that. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. And in parentheses it says, For the life was manifested... And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And what he's saying there is this is not something that a bunch of philosophical people got together and figured out. This is not something that man came up with. This is something they personally handled. They saw Jesus. They felt Jesus. Jesus touched them. He instructed them directly. They saw the, 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 the beauty and the glory of Christ. This is not something third-hand to them. This is not something that's, you know, they heard somebody heard, that heard somebody that heard somebody say They felt it themselves. It's not something that, oh, they were looking through some old manuscripts back in and they said, well, this might be it, so they come up with a religion. No, this is Christ Himself that came down there and they saw it themselves. Amen. One of the most important things, I think, here in the church that we, we should believe, that we should understand, is that we don't get this by man's inventions. We have the laying on of the presbytery to elder, ordained elders. We have the baptism that's supposed to be done by an ordained elder. Now, we have to take it by faith, but we believe that that continuation has gone from being taught of, to being taught of, to being taught of, to all the way back to John who has handled it himself. There's no break in that chain. There's no um, perversion of that, if you will. But that's what John is saying. He said, I'm not just telling you this because I heard it. I'm telling you because I felt it. I touched it. I, 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 I held it. I beheld it. And in verse 3 he says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Isn't that what the church is? Isn't that what the preaching is? Yes. Declaring what we felt. Declaring what we've seen unto others. Having fellowship one with another. I mean, we can have a we can have fellowship in a lot of other things. I'm not saying that, that that joint relationship. You know, you can have a bowling league and have fellowship with them. Or you can have, you know, have the same football team you root for and have fellowship with them. This is a specific fellowship. It goes on to say, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. There's an important important understand important thing we need to understand here 
that we can have fellowship in a lot of other things. We can have fellowship in wickedness. We can, the world has all the fellowship in the world when it comes to committing wickedness and doing evil things. They kind of herd together like that. You don't believe me? Go out there and you tell somebody your beliefs and if there's five different denominations or different people, they'll all jump on you. They'll group up together against you. But what he's saying is we have fellowship together because we have fellowship with the Father. That if I'm following Christ and you're following Christ, that means we're following Christ together. And in verse 4 he says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Isn't that a wonderful thing? If I were to tell you you need to come to church, it's not because we need numbers or, you know, they go to other denominations have little numbers on the wall. It's not because of that. It's that I want your joy to be full. I have been blessed and humbled to be able to experience full joy. To be able to be in the house of the Lord and feel so unworthy and so blessed at the same time. Amen. Phil, as Jacob said, Lord, I am unworthy of the least of all thy mercies. This is not a least. This is not a little mercy here. Right. This is a great mercy. Amen. This is a wondrous joy, a wondrous message. Peace which passes understanding. Joy to the fullest. You're not going to find joy out in the world. You might find a little bit of happiness. It's going to, it's going to go away. But he says, um, Moses, when he refused to be here, uh, he called the son of Pharaoh. He said he kind of, and I'm not quoting that, I'm not quoting said he, he'd rather suffer with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Which tells me a couple things. One thing it tells me that that the service of the Lord and even the tribulation, even the worst parts are better than the treasures of the world. And the treasures of the world are only for a little bit. One thing I can tell you today, that we can partake in a life that will never end. Even here on this earth. You know, we always look forward to going to heaven. We look forward to when our bodies don't ache, when we don't feel sleepy, when we don't feel tired or overwhelmed. But we can taste a piece of that here in the embassy. We can stand at the gates, if you will, here in church. We can partake in that earnest expectation that we have that one day we will have in, in fullness that we will receive in all its glory. We can taste it here and now. And even in our mortal bodies, that's full of, that's, that's joy fulfilled. That's full of joy. Just to see it, just to take a glimpse of it. Can you imagine what it would be like when we're on the inside of the gate? When all the saints of God are gathered around. But he writes these things under, he says, he says, I don't write these things under you because you need to be in church. You know, duty, duty, duty. You know, he, he don't, he, he's not writing these things to condemn them. He's writing these things that they might have joy fulfilled. He says in the Hebrew letter, said, Forsake not the assembling of yourself, gather together as the manner of some is. The Lord never gave us a commandment that was bad for us. The Lord never gave us a commandment that He needed us to do. 
The Lord needs nothing. He lacks nothing. So why would He give us the commandment? Because we need it. We need that fellowship. We need that warmth one from another. And in verse 5 it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have a fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sins. It sounds pretty harsh at first. But what he's saying is you can't just serve God or, or say you serve God in just any old way you want to. You can't say, well, I'll just praise the Lord at the football game. Praise the Lord in the deer stand. Yeah. What he's saying is there's a particular way. He is light and in him is no darkness. If you're going to worship him, you can't be in darkness. Amen. Because he's not going to become dark just to worship him. Right. He's not going to become darkness because he cannot become darkness. There's been a separation from light and darkness since the beginning of time. Amen. God in Genesis, he created the light and he separated the light from the dark. He put a division there that will always be there. But what it's, what it's saying is, you know, it's, the woman that came up to Jesus and said, well, you know, my people say you worship over here and the Jews say you worship over there. Your people say you worship over there. So which is it? And he said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers and those that worship in truth and in spirit. We must worship in truth and in spirit. We must walk in light. This is a beautiful message in that too. You know, when you, when you walk in darkness, you walk alone. I think of the Egyptians when the Lord cast darkness over in three days, a, a darkness that could be felt. Right. A thick darkness. So they, didn't, they couldn't even move for three days. They just stayed where they were at. But he said in, in Israel's tents they had light. Right. The Lord can separate that darkness and light. And give us light in a dark world. But he, he put that darkness on. You know, it didn't matter how many people was in the room with him, they were still alone. When you walk in darkness, when you're in darkness, you're alone. But the beautiful thing is, when you walk in light, you walk together. Amen. When we're in the truth, when we walk in the truth, when we walk in the Spirit, we walk together. One with another. We're in fellowship. One with another because we're in fellowship with the Lord together. Amen. If someone were to walk in darkness... They were to forget the Lord that bought them. However, however way that they would, they would forsake the assembling. They would forsake the God's commandments. You can't walk with them if you're walking in light. Now, I don't, I don't want to get too much off on that, but there's a, there's a reason why we must walk in light to fellowship with God. Think of Adam. He used to walk in the cool of the day with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And through disobedience, 
that fellowship was lost. Mm. We, through disobedience, can lose that fellowship. There's just no if, ands, and buts about it. But, how beautiful of a message is, and you won't hear it out in the world, how beautiful of a message is that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believe on Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That if you believe, if there's something in your heart that believes, the Lord was come to save you. That He has sent us a propitiation, a continual payment, a payment for our sins, that if we confess them and not walk there, and we can repent from them and still walk in the light. He's made that sure. He's made that, said he's, he's, he makes him just and the justifier of them. The only way he's just in forgiving, of us, forgiving us of our sins is because he's paid for them. Amen. God cannot be righteous and forgetful. He can't say, well, I'll just sweep your sins under the rug. They had to be paid for them. Amen. Or else he would not, been, would not have been righteous. But we know he's a righteous God. But he's, he's set that up. He's he done such a wonderful, great, and marvelous work that even when I sin, when I'm not supposed to, even when I fail of walking in the light 100% of the time, I can say, Lord, forgive me, and he's just to forgive me. Amen. That he's, he's made that way, if you will. <laughs> Because we're going to fail. Amen. We're going to fall short time and time again. Paul would put it, to, said the good that I would, that I do not, and the good that I would not, that I do. So there's a constant battle. There's a constant warfare that's going on. And the flesh doesn't take a day off. You never get up in the morning and say, well, the flesh is just not going to feel fleshy today. That your nature is just going to take the day off and you just serve the Lord without any problem. You've got to work at that. But there's great blessings in that. There's great joy in overcoming your enemy. And your flesh is your enemy. It tries to kill, to steal, and destroy. I think of... Um, he said, you are by nature the children of wrath, even, even as others. Another place, I think it's John 8 maybe, said, you know, he was talking to him, he said, you do your... Um, the will of your father, the devil, not that the, father, that the devil had natural children, but they have the characteristics of the devil. So if our nature wants to do the will of the devil, then that is nothing more to the kill, to steal, and destroy from us. That's what our flesh wants to do. But we, have, we can overcome them. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, strengthens us. Although the flesh be weak, our spirit is ready and willing. And he's given us dominion over our bodies as kings over our own body that we can command, that we can exclude, if you are, the, to put down, to punish the, the sin within us, if you will, to, to keep it under submission, to put our bodies under submission. We, we were to rule as good and righteous kings. If you ever go read Kings and Chronicles and all that, think of yourself as that king and your body as the kingdom. It, it, it's, there's a lot of good stuff in that. The way we're told to rule. 
way that some of them didn't rule by um, allowing idols in. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm bad about letting idols in. I'm bad about letting something get before the Lord. Good kings keep the idols out. They break down the altars. Amen. That's right. And we're to do that with ourselves. Amen. In verse 8, back in 1 John, it said, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, there's an importance of confessing your sin. Not necessarily to the preacher or whoever, but confessing them to God. Not that he doesn't know your sins, but that you acknowledge it to him that it was sin. Lord, forgive me because I've done this. Because if you if you don't acknowledge them, that's saying in yourself that you've not sinned. Say, oh, that, that's not a sin. I didn't sin. I didn't do that. Well, that's not acknowledging for an all-righteous God. That's not walking in light, but that's covering up your sins in darkness. We see... In John, um, the Gospel of John, how they loved darkness more than light because their sins were, because their deeds were evil. I may not be getting that exact right, but to have this fellowship, we must walk in accordance with the Lord, in accordance to the example that He left us. We've got to do it day after day after day. I think of the of, of children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. He put a put a pillar that darkened Egyptians so they couldn't find them, and they had light to walk. Isn't that a beautiful thing that the light the Lord gives us can hide us from the wicked? Amen. That <laughs> the best thing. For us to be able to worship in peace, they just leave us alone, don't even know we're here. Amen. But he can put a light on us that we can see all, that we can understand all, that we can have a peace about all. And the world never know we're here. That he can hide us from the world. That he can put us in that cleft. That the devil, that the wicked of this world will search in and out looking for people who they can berate, destroy, persecute. The Lord can put that division between the light and the darkness so that they'll never find us. But even after they passed through the Red Sea and the Egyptians, the same dudes were drowned there and they were walking through the wilderness, they still had that pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They didn't have a big error once they got across the Red Sea that says go that way. And they just headed out in that direction and just kept going. But that light moved. It's a continual thing to check. Amen. That's right. Or to search the scriptures daily to see if these things be so weird to search out that acceptable will of God that we know 
what we are to do. We're to know where the light, we're to look for the light, if you will. If the light says stay, if the, if, the, if, if um, that pillar of fire doesn't move, you stay with it. If it moves on, then you move on. We walk in that light. We walk in the Spirit is what it's talking about. We, we, we fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Um, matter of fact, let's turn over to Romans. I mean, Ephesians real quick. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named once, once named among you as become a saint, neither filthiness nor foolishness, talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Let's go ahead and go to verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh down the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the, spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Amen. You know, the biggest, one of the biggest falsehoods of the day is it's not the truth, it's your truth. Well, you might have different truth than I, you might have different. No, there's one truth. Amen. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say I'm a way, a truth, and a life, or my truth. No, no. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Peter, uh, Paul would say in the Roman letter, said, let, all, let God be true and all men alive. But he is the truth. And we don't just are born inherently with that. I've had principles, thoughts that I've had that I thought this was the way. And through reading and study and meditation, through preaching, hearing preaching, I've heard. I've, I've realized that that's not the way. I've had to correct myself right. in my thinking. Yeah. We're to prove that. We're to test it. We're to search them out. There's so many blessings in just reading and studying. So many. If if you would like one day and you and you just have a little bit of time, go read Psalms 119 and look at all the things that He says according to Thy Word. Right. How do you know if it's according to His Word? Because you've read His Word. Amen. All the promises and the blessings said, do this as according to thy word. The reason why he can say according to his word is because he knew the word. And if we search the scriptures daily, if we look at these things, and we can say he's going to bless us according to his word. That he'll never, as Brother John Mark said in his prayer, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. How do I know that? Because according to his word. Amen. Amen. So forsake not the assembling of ourselves gathered together. You come to church and your joy may be full. How did I know that? According to his word. That's what he said. Amen. What he said, he said. He meant it. <laughs> and it's God which cannot lie. Just, you know, if, if God be for us, who can be against us? According to his word. 
For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us according to His Word. That's what it says. Right. Study it. Read it. You'll find some great, wonderful blessings. If you don't understand, ask someone. Ask Brother Mark. I would say ask me, but I'd have to ask him. That's just adding an extra... <laughs> That's just adding an extra chain in there. But you can you can study these things out and the Lord give you said at the beginning of Psalms 119, one of my favorite verses is open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know what that tells me? There's wondrous things in his law. We just have to behold it. We have to open our he has to open our eyes. We have to look and study it out and search these things out, see if these things be so. But there's wondrous things already in there. He says, proving what is acceptable, back in verse 10, he says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. See then, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Like I said, there's, there's a great wonderful joy to be in the house of the Lord. To hear his gospel and came to sing the songs of Zion. It's not a duty. If you look at it, if you look at, well, you just have to come to church because you have to. I try to look at it. I get, I get to come to church because I get to. Because I have the privilege. Because they meet. And this is not to condemn you, but this is to exhort you. If you look like you have to come, if you look at it like you have to come to church, I want to change your mind. I want you to see it as the great and wonderful blessing that it is. Because there's going to be times when the world peeks through a little bit. And you might step out there and the bears and the lions might be waiting. That there's going to be times of distress, of overwhelming, overwhelming sorrow sometimes. But when you have light, it gives you a peace that passes all understanding. That you can look at it and say, I may not see the end, but I know my end. <laughs> Job said it, and we, we have a better understanding than Job. Job says, I know there's other truth, but how shall man be just with God? We have that truth. It's because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross to God for us. Amen. Not to us for God, <laughs> but to God for us. But if you want your joy to be full, if you want a peace that passes understanding, you have to walk circumspectly. You have to, if your children are you've got to walk as children of light. If you fall, you ask for forgiveness. Later on in John, in, in, I think it's first John, it says, it said, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And if our heart condemns us not, we have confidence. But even if our heart condemn us, condemns us, he's greater than our heart. Our heart's not going to send us to hell. Amen. That even if we don't feel worthy, He has made us worthy. Whether, whether we feel like it or not, He's made us worthy. 
Isn't that a wonderful joy that you got to hear this morning? You hear it by coming to church, you hear it by not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You hear it with a fellowship. One other place I want to go to, but if you continue reading through 1 John, there's a, there's a key point in how to walk in the light. And that's to love one another. As Christ loved you. Love covered a multitude of sins. So if you say you walk in the light and you hate your brother, then you're lying. We love one another. We love one another as we love God and God loves us. We love him because he first loved us. And if we reciprocate, if we love the Lord, then we should love his children. But that's how we walk together in fellowship. I found this this morning. It's the most beautiful thing. You know what we do when we shake hands? That's a pledge of fellowship. That's pledging that I'm fellowshipping with you. Mm. If I shake your hand, if I don't shake your hand, I might be sick. Don't, don't, or I might not, may not have caught you. So don't say if I don't shake your hand. I'm not saying that. But when we shake each other's hand, what we're saying is I pledge fellowship that we're walking together in the Lord. Mm. That you walk after the Lord. I walk after the Lord. And we're together walking together as a band. As pilgrims in a strange land. We're walking together. Amen. When we have that handshake, it's... I just found that I just thought that was so beautiful. That we're we're pledging fellowship one with another in the Lord. Let's turn to one more place and I'm going to close. In Psalms 27. Come one of my, probably my favorite scripture. And Psalms 27, and we'll read down to it starting in verse 1, just from my experience that I grew up in the church that, you know, had wonderful mentors, wonderful family, always enjoyed it, but I took it for granted in a lot of ways. I said, well, I'll go and get a haircut and get a real job, and end up going off and first, first, First this, first that, and then I missed one Sunday, I missed two Sundays, and then by the end of the day, I got a Sunday off, I was too tired and we didn't want to go. But then I came back. The Lord, you know, the Lord opens doors, but He also shut them. I've had more doors shut for my good than opened. Because if you give you too many options, I'm going to make the wrong one every time. But the Lord can shut doors to keep you from stuff. But I found this verse and I, I, I read it after, you know, coming back and it just, it sums it up for me. In verse 20, uh, in chapter 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, Come upon me to eat me eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Of all the things David had, that's the one thing he desired. He was king of Israel. Loved God. There's so many wonderful things that we might count. You know, he's richer than any of us will ever be. Probably all of us put together. The one thing he desired was to be in the house of the Lord. He gave him great confidence, he said. That when his enemies were around about him, he didn't fear. He wasn't in trouble. That, he says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide in his pavilion. Like I said, that light and that darkness is divided. He can leave the world in darkness and give us wonderful, glorious light here in the church. <coughs> that he can hide us here and protect us. I tried to speak on the, the Good Shepherd not too long ago and all the attributes of a shepherd. He's a protector. He's a leader. He's a caretaker. He, he makes sure they get fed. He makes sure all these things that all-encompassing is the reason why the Lord's called the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, the Chief Shepherd. Well, where do you get the best benefits? It's closest to the shepherd. Amen. The closer you get to the shepherd, the better benefits you get. Amen. And I'll put it this way. If I wanted to see Mark Corbels, and I didn't know where he was at, and I had to find him, what I would do is I'd go find Sister Emily. I'd go to his house. You know why? He may not be there right when I show up, but he's going to be there. Yeah, right. If you want to be with the Lord, if you want to be in his presence, it said John leapt, in, leapt for joy in, the, in his in the womb. Just being in the presence of the Lord can bring you great joy. And if you want to have that great joy, if you want to be in the presence of the Lord, show up to his house. Amen. Hang out with his bride. Because if he's not there right there at that moment, he will be. Because he loves him. He loves you. This is where he promised to dwell. He has such a great love for his bride. He's going to show up. And if I knew he's going, like I said, if I need to get a hold of Brother Mark, I know he's going to show up. If I want to be with the Lord, I'm going to go where I know he's going to show up. Amen. That's in his house with his bride. May the Lord bless you in my prayer. Amen. Amen. Amen.